In this season of Lent, we are called to pray, fast, and give alms. This message today is about the first one, to pray. How to pray during Lent. Some of you know that a few weeks ago I took my annual retreat where I had a lot of time to pray. The church actually requires me to take a week every year and go away from active ministry and just to be with the Lord in prayer, to spend time, to really just to waste time with God. I was blessed to be able to go to this monastery in Denmark, Wisconsin, where the Carmelite sisters put me up for a few days. They've got a, a cottage priests can stay in. Sixteen cloistered Carmelite nuns, once they enter and make their solemn vows after many years, once they make their solemn vows, they never leave the monastery. They're there till they die. Praying, worshiping, offering sacrifice, being this community of sisters in love with God and, and loving each other. It's an amazing community there. As I was going to that retreat and there and driving back, uh, one of the themes that was present for me was just so much gratitude for the close friends I have in my life. So blessed to have just this handful of friends who really know me, I really know them. We've walked together for many years, and just, just what a blessing that is. You may think that as a priest and a pastor, I have like a million friends, and in one sense it's true. Like It's so great to be able to ha- have all these connections with the faithful, with you, with our staff, with volunteers. But, of course, it's, it's humanly impossible to really have more than just a few close friends, right, as you know. It, it takes time, it takes energy for people to really know who you are. Since the, the ancient times, uh, the ancient Greeks and even the Bible, so many have said that there's nothing in life quite as valuable as a dear friend. Better than silver, silver or gold. You know, surveys have shown in the last few decades that in America, the number of people who can count even just one or two close friends is like rapidly declining. It's, it's really like a tragedy of friendship. Something we should really think about as Christians, how do we respond to that? The gift of friendship. If you have a close friend or several close friends, you know that it may have started off as something more simple, just like someone that you have a good time with, you hang out with, or maybe it was someone who you had a, a common project together, a coworker, a colleague, something you kind of you were always rubbing elbows, and you were friendly, and then at a certain point, this person might have become like a little bit closer friend, and then like a really good, deep friend. And if you have a really close friend, there are a few things that are always in, in common. First of all, uh, it's a choice. Like, you really choose who your close friend is going to be. It's not just like an accident. (laughs) You also spend a lot of time with that person. It requires time to get to know this person, to invest in that person. For a deep and profound friend, you also are not just hanging out together. You're pursuing virtue together. Like, you want your friend to be excellent and to be a person of character, and that person wants the same thing of you. You're pursuing virtue together. You're pursuing the highest good. And for Christians, the highest good is God. You want God for each other. You're pursuing the Lord Jesus and the kingdom together. That's so bonding. And then a final thing that close friends have in common is that they reveal their inner selves to each other. You know, maybe you're just with someone who you're kind of friendly with. You're maybe at dinner having a drink, 
And then that person all of a sudden says, you know what? Can I share with you something about me that hardly anybody knows? Your ears perk up. You're like, oh, this, this person's like going deeper. Like not many people know this about him, about her. That might be a sign that they're willing to take this next step of friendship where it's not just about having a good time together or, or getting a job done, but it's like, I want to let you into my life. I, I want to share myself with you in a way that very few people have access to. And when that happens, that person is often hoping that, that we'll reciprocate, that we'll also say, well, here's something about my life that hardly anybody knows, and I'm okay with you seeing it. I, I want to share that with you. It's like a beautiful, tender moment when that happens, when there's the potential to, to gain this, this dear friend, maybe a lifetime friend. When Jesus has Peter, James, and John come with him on the mountain, it's not just an accident that this happens at the same time. He's choosing his three close friends to be with him so that Jesus can reveal his inner self to them that no one on earth has seen before. Christ loves all of his apostles, all of his disciples, for sure. He loves everyone who he meets but Jesus chose those three to receive this revelation of his inner self. He wanted them to know this about him. And he wanted them to reciprocate and to open their hearts to him because of this experience. They're up on Mount Tabor and Jesus all of a sudden is transfigured before them. His glory, his divine nature, his awesome luminous being that's usually hidden by his humanity, it shines out. His face is changed. His garments are changed. It's almost like looking into the sun. And there's Moses and Elijah, two friends from the Old Testament, good friends of God, are there too. And Jesus is pleased to reveal his inner self to his friends. And what's the response? I mean, they're looking at this awesome glory of of the man they believe is the Messiah and the Savior, but they don't quite get truly yet that he's really God from God and light from light. It, the big, this is the, the beginnings of this. And they're just struck. And after five minutes, do they say, well, that was awesome, but let's go to Arby's now. No, what do they say? Lord, it is good that we are here. Lord, it is good that we are here. Like, when you're with a good, dear friend, it doesn't really matter what you're doing together. As long as you're together, you're like, I'm, I'm happy. Like, you could be walking down the street or looking and looking, you know, people watching or shopping, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, if you're with your dear friend, like, you're, you just want to be there. You don't want to leave. <laughs> Peter is looking into the face of God. He's like, Lord, it is good that we are here. Let, let's just stay here. It, uh, if you want, I'll, I'll build three tents. So I'll, I'll build a tent for you and a tent for Elijah, a tent for Moses, and we can just stay on Mount Tabor like forever. And this is really true, right? That if someone has tasted a little bit of heaven, which is what's happening right now, there's nowhere else you want to go. You want to stay there. You want to go back. You, you, sorry, you don't want to go back. You want to stay in the glory of God, in the friendship of God. That's what's happening. Now, Jesus reveals his glory to them because he loves them. He wants to share his life with his friends. But he's also revealing the glory to prepare them for what must happen. 
that Christ will show a different part of his inner self when he goes to the cross and when he lays down his life for us, when he suffers for them out of love, this is the other part of God's divine nature that's merciful, that loves even unto death. And Christ wants them to have this memory in their mind so that when they go through that experience, they can remember afterward, oh yeah, he already prepared us for this. He showed us that, that his light, his divine goodness w- would be even greater than death. He was, he was showing us that. Remember, Jesus tells them, tell no one this vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And they're like, they're like, why? Like, what's that mean? Okay, so don't tell anybody. Like, imagine after the resurrection, the 12 are hanging out, all the disciples are hanging out, and they've already met Jesus, and he's been like, you know, um, preparing them for his ascension and the spirit they're going to receive. And Peter, James, and John are like, oh yeah, there was that time, guys, that we were together on Mount Tabor, and we, we saw actually his glory even before he was risen. Yeah, he, he told me not to tell you guys, but it was awesome. Like, now I get it, now I get it. Like, friends sharing with other friends about their friend who they really care about, like swapping stories. Like, you, like, you see how personal and how, like, human Jesus is? He, like, is preparing them to share this later on. Like, don't tell anybody until afterward. That's what friends do, okay? They plant little surprises. You know, Peter, James, and John would one day, they would have to follow in the footsteps of their master. They would have to remember the glory of Jesus because they would have to lay down their lives. They would have to carry their cross. They'd have to suffer for their master and Lord because no disciple is above the master. Friends, we have the stations of the cross around this church, the 14 stations. Jesus is suffering for us in burial. We walk them every Friday. Jesus has saved us from eternal death. He saved us from hell. But in this life, we follow him. He's the master. We're the disciples. We're the students. We are going to have to carry our cross in this life. And we can be sure that Christ will bring us to heaven, but you have a cross to carry. You have a share in the gospel to carry. And our friend Jesus wants us to remember the glory and love he shows us as his friends so we won't be scared, so fear won't overcome us, and we won't throw our cross aside and say, I'm just going to go back to the world yeah, I was on the mountaintop. Yeah, I, I saw the glory of, of Jesus' divinity. I, I, I've seen it, tasted his love, but, and I, I want to stay there, but this is too hard. I'm going back down the mountain. Forget it. I'm done. I'm done. That's a great temptation for all of us, myself included. Things get hard. The cross comes, and we're like, oh, I know that was so good, but like, Jesus wants to reveal more of his glory and love to us right now today so we'll continue following him. So the friendship endures. Is there a way that we could experience what Peter, James, and John experienced on that mountaintop right now? Is there a way that we could come close to our friend and he could reveal his inner self to us and we could say, Lord, it's just so good to be here. I just don't want to leave. You know, you you could go to Mount Tabor in Israel. It's a long flight. It's a lot of money to get there. And you can go there and pray in the church and you still might not have happened what happened to them. I've been there to Mount Tabor. I didn't have the same experience. 
But there is a way that all of us here at St. Rose can spend this time with our friend Jesus and be changed like they were. It's by visiting our friend Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist in our chapel. Our Adoration Chapel is like 200 feet away. You can walk to it. I'm going to open the doors after Mass. You can just pop in. The Lord Jesus in his Eucharist, his consecrated body and blood, is enthroned in that chapel. And when you go and sit before him and spend time with him, you are on Mount Tabor. Jesus desires to reveal his inner self to you in the quiet of that place. I know a lot of us here have been to that chapel. I know a lot of us here go there like every week to spend time with Jesus, with our friend. But I know a lot of us here at St. Rosa Lima have never ever stepped inside of that chapel. Or maybe you went a long time ago and you just haven't gone back. I invite you to pray this Lent by visiting the Lord Jesus in that chapel. It's a beautiful chapel. We just renovated it. It's glorious. So many other pastors are jealous of me. Oh, that chapel, Father Mark. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I know, I know. But don't go for the building. Go for Christ, the one who wants to reveal himself to you, the one who wants to go deeper in friendship with you. You know, every hour that the parish center is open for office hours, the, the doors are wide open. You can come. And any hour of the day or night, you can have access to that chapel. You can go in there, whether it's midnight or 4 a.m. or Sunday afternoon. You've got to pick up the phone and call the parish office, though. We keep it secure. You've got to call us. There's an easy way for you to get in, but we need to know who you are. You can get in there. You can pray any time of the day. Spend time with our Lord. You can read the Bible. You can pray the rosary. You can just sit and look upon the Eucharist and just worship Jesus and listen to him. God the Father says, listen to him. It doesn't matter what you do, but you can go there and have this moment where the same friendship and power and glory of God can shine upon you And you can just say, Lord, it's so good to be here. I just want to stay here. Let's just stay here. It's why we have this chapel here. It's why Eucharistic Adoration has changed so many lives of Catholics over the centuries. It's why I keep on talking and preaching about it. This Lent, come to that chapel. Come and spend some time adoring Christ in our chapel of Eucharistic Adoration. It's for you. It's for all of us. It's to grow in friendship with Jesus. So so we can say, Lord, it's so good to be here with you. I'm just going to stay here with you and take take this half hour, take this hour to be with you, for you to reveal yourself to me in the quiet and for me to reveal myself and my heart to you. To wrap up, I mentioned that when I was at that monastery, with those sisters, I was doing a lot of time in prayer, had adoration there as well. And uh, those sisters, you know, they're there their whole lives. And, and some people might look at their life and be like, man, like, how could somebody do that? Spend the, your whole life in the same monastery, never leave, be part of that community. Like, it seems kind of weird to me. Like, I couldn't do that for like a week, much less like my whole life. But people forget that those sisters aren't there alone. They're there in intimate union with their dearest friend. And when you're with your best friend, it, like, it doesn't matter where you go or what you do, you're just happy to be with your friend. Their monastery, incidentally, is actually built 
off of the plan of this gospel today. You drive up to it, and it looks like you're driving up to three massive stone tents. And the main window in the sanctuary is the transfiguration. Jesus is, has a blue background, this luminous rays of light shooting out of him. Peter and James and John, it's awesome. They're, like, they're like almost like toppling down the mountain. They're so blown away. Literally, socks knocked off in the stained glass windows. And those rays from Jesus, they go into the church, and they go over where the sisters sit behind the cloister screen as a sign that they are abiding in the light of Christ even before heaven, even on this earth. That's how they're spending their lives praying for you and me right now. They're with their friend. Is everyone invited into that kind of life? No, not everyone, not all of us, but some are, so that we in our lives can take moments to say, you know what, in this moment, I I can't live in the monastery, but in this moment, I'm going to go to my friend and spend time with him. I'm going to be with him and say, Lord, it's just so good to be here with you. So this Lent, pray. Pray. Pray, come to the chapel, come and listen to him who is our friend. And he wants to reveal the innermost part of his heart with you.